Thank you. Okay. All right. Open up to the book of Romans, the 15th chapter. We'll begin our teaching this morning with a word of prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning that we get to share together. Thank you for this opportunity to gather with our brothers and sisters to get into your word, to see what it would have to say uh, to us, to enrich us, to direct us. I pray, God, that you would do just that. You're always so faithful to do so whenever we, whenever we sit before you. So I pray, Lord, with our ears open and attentive, uh, that we would glean whatever sort of truth you would set before us this day. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so this morning we're going to talk about one of the most powerful four-letter words in the English language. Um, it's quite an honor to uh, discuss this topic, uh, a word so strong that, that it's built empires and exalted cultures, and a word so tender uh, that, 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 it, that it comforts uh, loved ones through loss and, and hardship and death, and a word so profound that it's been studied uh, but never exhausted, and every uh, people group uh, on the planet that have been driven to achieve um, what they could maybe only imagine, and in some cases maybe more than they could imagine, because of this idea, and it's, it's the, the idea of hope. It's the idea of hope. And Sam asked me to speak about this next pillar in our conspiracy theory series, um, and, and he covered a peace and joy, and he asked me to discuss uh, hope. You know, I've got to be honest with you. It's an idea that I don't think I ever really appreciated until this week when I began to uh, really uh, study it. it. It generates this image, hope uh, does for me. It, it, when I hear the word hope or think about the word hope, I, I think about um, a, a weak man sitting around doing nothing and hoping for everything. And, and maybe, you're, maybe you're there too. And, and so hope, it just sounds lazy to you. It's, it's a person eating potato chips and hoping for six-pack abs, right? Or, or it's... Uh, it's a person not studying and hoping for an A, right? Or, or maybe you're like me. It's, 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 it's me uh, driving around on empty and just hoping that I'll get home uh, be, because I don't want to stop and get gas. It's, it's just far too burdensome to disrupt my momentum. Um, and so I roll that dice every week. And most of the time it turns out pretty good, most of the time. And one time... I remember calling Boo, and it was like the baby was already asleep, and it was a disaster. And yet I, and yet I do it again every week because hope. That's the message. Let's pray. All right. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but there's, uh, there's something magnificent happened this week, uh, something uh, rare and maybe uh, unprecedented. Uh, I discovered uh, that I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I was wrong. I was wrong about hope. Um, that, that hope, is, it isn't a lazy cop-out. 
uh, right? That, that it's, it's, it's not a wish that you make on a birthday cake uh, or on, on a shooting star, right? It is something much more than that. In fact, it's who God is. It's who he created us to be. Um, and, and, it's, and it's what he holds for the world. And we're going to talk about that this morning. If you're, if you're uh, already at Romans chapter 15, let's go ahead and read the 13th verse. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think that, that maybe this is what Sam had in mind when he put this whole series together. And it just perfectly captures the, 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 the other two messages that you see how uh, closely connected hope is with, with peace and with, with joy, that, that, that peace and joy are imparted by a God of hope to be possessed by his people to the full measure that, 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 that peace and joy are just a byproduct of hope. And, and so I don't need to stress or strain when my hope is in him. I, I, can, I can have peace. I don't need to, uh, to feel resentment and, and, and sorrow. My hope is in him. I can, I can have joy. Um, this should be the common disposition of the Christian. It really should be because it's imparted by a God that characterizes himself as hope. You know, I think that we have this association in our minds um, that, that Christian maturity looks like, you know, a, a serious and, and somber saint. It looks like, and, and I'm going to go ahead and say it, uh, it, it, it looks like a party pooper. You know, and they, and they would say, you know, Christians shouldn't be partying anyways. We have kingdom business afoot, right? I don't know who says afoot, but I do, <laughs> right? And in Bible college, we had, uh, we had ice cream socials. Um, and, uh, and they were actually called ice cream socials. Uh, it was like the, the school just stopped progressing in the 1950s somewhere. <laughs> and they said, this is, this is, this is right. This is where we're going to stop. We'll just pitch our tent here right in 1954 and we'll have our, uh, our ice cream socials. And I thought that it was, I thought that it was so strange. Um, uh, but, but there was free ice cream and just, just copious amounts of it. And so it was wonderful. Uh, so it was just the best thing ever. Um, but I remember getting the flyer my first semester there. Uh, they gave me a flyer and it said, you know, uh, ice cream social this Tuesday or whatever it was. And I remember looking at my roommates and going, this is a joke, right? You guys have ice cream socials? And, and they said, yeah. They, they said, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a joke. It's, it, it, this is for real. But not everyone goes. And I remember looking at it going, it's free ice cream. Why wouldn't... And people go, and and they said, you know, a lot of people get together in in, uh, in the prayer chapel to pray for our souls, you know. And we we uh, and I remember laughing, and and but they didn't laugh, and and they were just staring at me like, yeah, that that's that's a thing that happens, dude. And 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 it, 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 while we 
would eat ice cream, they would weep for us, weep for our spiritual state. And, and, and not to belittle that perspective. I, I remember it, it, being there at the ice cream social because I chose that over the prayer chapel. Maybe I'm carnal. I don't know. But there was so much ice cream. And, <laughs> and I remember eating the ice cream and thinking, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the Christian thing? Or, or is this just an extension of heathen culture? Am I, in, am I in league with the devil? Because I'm eating, like, mint chip? And how good is mint chip, though? Right? It's... Exactly. And, 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 but here's the thing. Here's the thing. But before we go too far uh, off the rails... Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 has just this wonderful insight about this this Christian uh, disposition. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and I'm just going to read the first four verses. Obviously it goes on, and there's a song about it, and it's wonderful, and maybe we'll sing it later. I'll have Alex lead us in it. It says, There's a time for everything, and a season for every activity under heaven. There's a time to be born, there's a time to die, there's a time to plant, there's a time to uproot, there's a time to kill, there's a time to heal, there's a time to tear down, and a time to build, and there's a time, there's a time to weep, and there's a time to laugh, there's a time to mourn, and there's a time to dance. You know, there's a time to be serious. There really is. I'm not saying that that, 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 that there isn't, that, you know, if you're a Christian, you should be going to funerals and party hats because, you know, you have joy. That's all you should know. Now, there's a time for everything. There's a time to be serious. There's, there's a time to be somber. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to laugh. And there's a time to dance. And, and I never thought that I would say something like that or agree to something like that. I hate dancing. I think that it's the, the most emasculating thing in the universe, or at least it feels like it for me. I, I didn't even really dance at my own wedding. There was a gasp. Wow, an audible gasp. I didn't, I didn't foresee that. We, we had the one planned dance, and, and I did dance that one. We, we practiced it. I studied for it like a final because I, I hate dancing. And I was, I thought, I'm going to get in there, I'm going to get out of there, I'm going to know what I'm doing, I'm going to feel okay about it, and then I'm done. And, and I remember, you know, Corinne, we're walking around at our wedding, and she's saying, you know, we, we got we to gotta dance, it's time to dance. And, and, and I was saying, no, it's time to be appreciative for all of our guests. We need to go around and talk to everyone that's here and thank them. And there's a time for that, too. I could have been a little bit more hasty during that time, but I wasn't. I just, I hate... I hate dancing, and, and, and one day I turned on, I turned on uh, music, because I, I always listen to music while I do dishes at home, and uh, I looked over, and Miles was dancing, or what he calls dancing, all right, which is like going like that and kind of jumping up and down. I realized that jumping in a chair looks really unusual, so, <laughs> but that's what he was doing, right? And, and he walked over to me, and he began pulling at my pants, right, and forcing me into the middle of the kitchen, close to the speaker. And, and it was the first time in my life that I really voluntarily danced. And now every Thursday, my day off, I look forward to it. 
it's my favorite thing about my day off that as soon as I turn on the music to do the dishes, he's going to force me into dance. <laughs> and joy fills my heart in that moment. And so there's a time to be serious, but I don't think that that's what should characterize us. I think that, that, that there should be more than that when we have a God that calls himself the God of hope and connects himself so, so intentionally and specifically to joy because this hope gives us joy. It transcends our circumstances and tells us that everything's going to be okay, not because there's you know, this, this hollow wish but because there's this hopeful savior, he ensures our hope. That because he overcame, we know we will overcame. Because he lives, we know we will live. Because he is a God of hope, we know that we can be people of hope. You know what? I think that this is in direct proportion to our peace also. You know, it's impossible to be overflowing with hope from a God that characterizes himself as hope and not have peace. It would just be impossible. What could possibly disrupt that? I work with children uh, with uh, learning disabilities, uh, primarily uh, dyslexia. And these children that are in so many ways just profoundly brilliant, but they have this block when it comes to uh, reading. And everyone thinks that they're dumb. And they think that they're, that they're just dumb. And most of the time, uh, they and their parents um, are just totally convinced. They, they've already accepted the fact that these kids don't have a future in store for them. They're just never going to amount to anything. And I never tell them that, that I, uh, as a child, uh, had a severe learning disability and that, to a degree, uh, still struggle with dyslexia. Um, when I was formally evaluated in first grade, the, you know, the educational psychologist told my parents, you know, don't expect anything from this dude. You know, he's just, you're going to be caring for him for the rest of your lives. This is just the reality of, of this child. Um, and now I get to work with these children uh, every single day. And, and uh, since I became the, uh, the director of the learning center, I, I'm, I'm responsible for almost all the consultations. And so I, I meet these parents and and uh, we evaluate these children and we design programs for these struggling students and 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 for their parents and one of my favorite clients her father's a fireman uh, and he comes in just about every week and and we talk and on one day he came in and we were reviewing some of her tests and he's a big guy, you know, just a big, strong, you know, bodybuilder, martial arts type of guy. That's, that's what he does recreationally. And, and his eyes filled with tears. 
and 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 he was saying, you know, her life is so hard. She's only 10. And she comes home from school every day and cries for hours. And she begs me. She just says, Daddy, give up on me. I'm dumb. Don't you get it? It's never going to get better. This is never going to change. Just stop trying and just let me be dumb. Everybody else knows it. Everybody else tells me it. Why can't you just accept that? And he looked at me and he said, is it hopeless? Do we just give up? And, and I was telling him, no, it's not. Don't give up. Listen, I've seen children like her. I've worked with children like her for years now. It gets better. Tell her not to listen to those people. It, listen, t- tell her, t- tell her that, that she, she, she is someone. She can be something. That she is special. She's wonderful. She's brilliant. Tell her that you will never give up on her. Tell her that you believe in her. And tell her that you will get through this together. And he looked at me and he said, this was you. This was you, wasn't it? He said, you struggled with this, didn't you? And and I said, I never tell clients that. But I, I did. And I understand exactly what she's going through because I've been there. And we can help her right, get through this. We can get through this together. And he reached out and put one of his massive hands on my forearm. And he said, Mr. Michael, you're the smartest man I've ever met. And that just proves that he doesn't know too many people. <laughs> he said, I've, I've never met, met anyone else that struggled with this, the way that she struggled with this. And I would have never suspected that it would be you when I finally met them. And he said, I've never been more convinced that my daughter will get through this, that she will overcome this than right now. And he thanked me and he left with a peace that only comes from hope. And the next time she came in, she gave me a big hug. I have no idea what her dad told her. Uh, she gives me a big hug every time she comes in now, right before she steals candy from my wife's desk. <laughs> yeah, hope changed her life. It brought peace to a 10-year-old girl that's troubled more than I think any of us could really ever imagine. And God champions hope. He calls himself the God of hope. Now, um, because I'm a nerd, uh, as soon as Sam told me that he wanted me to talk about hope, I started researching hope. And so I pulled out my old psych books from classes that I took years ago. And um, there there was this theory, it's called hope theory, 
that I remember hearing about in school. I remember reading about it. I remember taking a test on it. And uh, then as soon as that test was over, instantly discharging that information. <laughs> uh, but, but luckily, I, I, I keep everything because I'm kind of a hoarder. And, and I dug up that book and read what those researchers had, had, had written, and I was so surprised to see the theological implications of their study. If you, if you take notes, I want you to write this down, that, that hope is broken up into two equally important parts. Hope is really broken up into these two equally important parts. That first, you have agency, and second, you have pathways. Agency and pathways. According to their theory, the person who has hope has the will and determination that goals will be achieved. And they have a set of different strategies at their disposal to reach their goals. And put it simply, hope involves the will to get there and different ways to get there. And I think both are really key. I think we're all familiar with these ideas of, of the optimism, right? And optimism says, really, that everything's going to be okay, right? And pessimism, uh, pessimism says, you know, nothing's going to be okay, you know? Um, and then realism, and realism just kind of says, well, everything is going to be as it is. Um, I, have, I have this friend that's a, that's a realist, and whenever I ask him about anything, it doesn't matter what it is. It's like you, you lost your job, or you, you won the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> it could be anything. And I'm like, man, how do you feel about that? He always just says, it is what it is. Right? <laughs> just, I, that drives me bananas. Because right? there's no interpretation, there's no extrapolated lesson. Everything just is. Right? Uh, and I think a lot of us would say that, that hope is optimism. Right? But that's wrong. Because optimism doesn't go far enough. All right? Optimism only says that everything's going to be uh, okay. Right? You have this positive expectancy for your future goals. Right? But it completely disregards your uh, personal control over those outcomes. And that's what hope does. Hope doesn't just look at the future and see a glorious goal. It overcomes any obstacle to achieve it. That's the big difference. That's what's wonderful. And I think that's exactly why God characterizes himself as a God of hope. And that's what we're celebrating this season because God, God saw this, this time in history where he said... There are a million different obstacles set before these people and, and, and the salvation that I want to offer them, this life that I want to offer them, this bounty that, I, that, I, that, that only I can set before him or them. And, and, and he knows that, that he is the agency. He has the will to do it. And now he sets out down the pathways to do it. And the beginning of time, you know, I'll, I'll separate a nation and they'll represent to the world uh, hope and, and, and love and salvation that anyone, a stranger, a pilgrim, a foreigner, you can come in and you can, you can meet the true and living God. Salvation is here. 
And he sent prophets down that pathway. Uh, proclaim the word. Uh, tell them. Tell them uh, of this truth and reality, the, the glory of, of this, this living God. And he sent his word. He sent his word to teach us uh, about the, the fact that, that this agency has this pathway here. It's, it's, it's the living God. And then finally he said, you know what? Nothing is going to do. Nothing is going to do until I go. Until I go to overcome every final obstacle. Until I go to confront the main obstacle, sin. And I confront it on the cross. And I'll overcome it on the cross. And I'll do it with my very own son. He had the will to accomplish that goal. And he let nothing stand in his way. Because he is the God of hope. But listen, I want you to look back at this verse in Romans. Because we don't just worship a God of hope. We're called to be a people of hope. right? And so read it again if you're bold enough. Because right? it's going to... It's going to do something terrible to you. <laughs> it's something terrible to me. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants to fill us with joy. God wants to fill us with peace. And that's wonderful, right? I, I love that. But does he want to fill us with hope? I think it's a subtle distinction, but it's an important one. That's one that, that maybe, it'll, maybe it'll just wreck you this morning like it wrecked me. I want to fill you with peace. I want to fill you with joy. But I do not want to fill you with hope. All right, the God of hope, a God that sees our best future, this heavenly life and legacy and gives us everything that we need to have it, to achieve it, to overcome the obstacles set before it. He does not want to fill us with hope. He wants us to overflow with hope. He says, I'll fill you with joy, man. I'll fill you with peace, but I won't fill you with hope. Hope needs to overflow. You know, fill in, in the Greek is the word playro. It means to make full. It means to make complete. That's wonderful. Right? He came to make your joy complete. He came to make your peace complete. But he did not come to make your hope complete. Uh, th this word uh, overflow in Greek is perisio. It means to exceed in measure, to overflow onto another. I think we really miss something when we take the joy, when we, when we take the peace, and we take the hope, and then we push away from the table satisfied. And we just go, oh, what a feast. I'm stuffed. 
And we, you know, uh, let out our belt a couple of notches like we do on Thanksgiving, or at least I do. I lose the belt entirely on Thanksgiving. And I just, I go for it, right? Um, and, and, and we say, well, that's wonderful, right? Isn't this great? I'm, I'm spiritually stuffed. I can't eat another bite. Oh, what a blessing for me. No, that's not what this is about. That's not what this was ever about. It's, it's no, not a blessing for us. It's uh, or not a blessing for me. It's what a blessing for us that we ought to share this hope. He says, share my hope from the overflow that I have offered to you. Listen, see that better world, that glorious world that a God of hope sets before you. It says, I want you after all that I've sacrificed for you, to sacrifice the overflow of your hope unto this world. I want you now to be the agent. I want you now to look down the pathways. I want you to overcome the obstacles. What are you willing to do for hope? What is it in your heart that hope tells you is not an impossibility when everyone else says it is? That there is hope for them, that there is hope for her, that there is hope for him. You know, last week we had um, our Christmas party uh, for Refuge, and it was wonderful. Every year it's wonderful. Um, it, was, it was a lot of fun to be there. But this year, for the first time, we're going to have another Christmas party. And we're going to have it at the Upland Skate Park. And it's going to be a Christmas party for all the high schoolers there, all the drug dealers there, and all the homeless people there. And you know, when we first went out there, this was a group that everyone characterized as hopeless. These people are in and out of prison, dropped out of school. They're going from one couch to another. Uh, they're a hopeless lot. And you know, it's Sid, one of our, one of our kids, Vanessa, that's her, that's her son. Um, he goes to that park all the time. He's going he's gonna to dress up like Santa and he's going to skate around and give gifts to the kids there um, because it just sounded like a weird and hilarious thing to do. <laughs> and we've collected uh, about $200 in gift cards and um, in clothing and basic necessities, things like that. And we're going to bring food, we're going to bring drinks, and we're going to have conversations. And, you know, if the past, um, if the past is any predictor of the future, then those conversations will be, they will be very good. They'll be conversations filled with hope. Um, and that hope always leads to what we immediately see on their faces, which is 
what we immediately see in this passage. It's joy and it's peace. And when Sam talked to me years ago about the Advent conspiracy, this whole idea for what uh, Genesis now does every year, I, I loved it because it was all about uh, taking back the birth of Jesus to reflect the person and the purpose of Jesus. And, and the person and purpose of Jesus was always an agent for change. He was always, he was an, he was always an agent for change. He was always looking down pathways and overcoming obstacles. And, 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 and he was always doing that because, because hope isn't, isn't passive. Hope is active. It has to be. It always is. And, and this is what he set before us now, that no person is, is too wicked. No situation is too uh, corrupted. He, he calls himself the God of hope, and he characterizes us as people of hope. He says, that's why I came. That's what needs to continue if you're called after my name. I don't want to just, this is the point of it, I don't want to just wish for a better future. I want to do something about it today. And, and that's what God's doing every day. That's what he called us to be a part of. So I'm going to end with this story, and I don't have much longer. Um, I grew up uh, in a house filled with uh, political banter. My dad um, still initiates those conversations, uh, contentious as they can be, whenever we gather together. Um, I remember listening to him once explaining the importance of a balanced federal budget. And and just wanting to shed great tears of joy. It was just so profoundly brilliant and well-articulated. And there in the kitchen, I realized it. And I looked at my dad, and I said, Dad, you should have been a politician. And I meant that in a good way. We often say that in a very negative way. <laughs> you know, oh, you're such a liar. You should be a politician. You know. <laughs> But I didn't mean that. It's just, you're you're just, just so honest and, and you're so good. This is what you should have been. And, 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 and it was his passion and, and it was his delight and he had a vision as an agent. Right? And he had solutions as his pathways. And I'll, I'll never forget. He looked at me and he said, or, uh, excuse me, I, I looked at him and I said, Dad, it's not too late. It's not too late. Right, he was in his 50s at the time. So maybe, I don't know, to begin a political career a tad late. But I said, it's not too late. You could run for state office. You could do this. Think of all the, the hope you can bring to people. Think of all the good you can do. Think of how many people you can help. And, and he looked at me and he told me this story. It was the first time I'd ever heard it. He said... You know, when I got drafted to Vietnam, um, they they uh, made me a helicopter mechanic because of my degree in aeronautics. Um, and he said, and and so I would hang back at the base 
never engage in combat. He said helicopters would come in and and I would uh, scuttle over to them and check all their levels and make sure everything's tip-top and then they would load it up with more people and send them out and and he said and I would watch them leave. And he said I, I, I became restless. He said I, I felt like I could do more. I felt like I could do a lot more. And he said and, and so one day an official stood before uh, stood before us and there my young father with all of the other mechanics uh, stood in line and the man said um, I need someone to volunteer to go up with us. I need someone to volunteer to be a flight mechanic whatever they might call it. And, and they said you're, you're going to be up in the helicopter uh, during all the missions. You're going to tend to the helicopter in combat situations. And, and it's dangerous. It's dangerous, but we need you, if you're willing. And while everyone stood their ground, my dad stepped forward. And he was the only one that stepped forward. And I'll never forget that at this point in the story, he leaned in and said, that's the day I learned that you should never volunteer for things. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how much good you think that you may do, it's a mistake. <laughs> Never do it. <laughs> and he said it wasn't long before we were 10,000 feet up in the air and bullets are whizzing past my head. And, and it wasn't long after that that our helicopter was shot down and we were plummeting into the jungle below. He's never told me the rest of that story. But he always leaves me with that point. The reminder not to stick my neck out. He says, if you do, it'll end badly. <laughs> you think you can help, but you can't. You'll just end up regretting it. So don't. And there isn't a visit to the house now that I've been doing, well, this type of thing for the last decade um, that isn't accompanied by my dad saying something like, are you still doing that Thursday thing? Are you still doing that Sunday thing? You know, why do you do that? What's the matter with you? And you know what the funny thing about it is, is that he doesn't mean a word of it. Not a single word of it. it. Took me years to figure that out. Every time he says it, he smiles. Happy to see his youngest child live to defy his advice every day. And to do, uh, to do so with peace and joy. Because there's something in all of us that makes us want to step forward, that's restless at the line, that says, ah, there's, there's more, there's, there's good, there's, there's hope. And I can be a part of it. I know I can.
I know I can. And we can. Because this is who God created us to be in his image. And he is a God of hope. He is a God of hope. So we're going to be a people of hope. And this is what we're going to do in Mexico and on Thursday at the skate park. We're going to not just look down the road and say, I hope that there is something better for these people. We're going to, from the overflow that God has given us, be hope to these people. We're going to be the agent. We're going to overcome the obstacles in the pathway. And I want you to join us. I want to invite you to join us. Uh, You hope-filled restless saints. Because I think that's what God has for us. I think that's what this season is all about. And I think we can do it. I think we can as a collective agent for change. Let's, Let's go ahead and pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for the hope you've given us. Lord, that you didn't just wish that things got better for us. You stepped into time. You stepped into space. You sent your son and you made sure that things would be better for us. That we could have life. That we could have joy and peace. That that we can have those to the complete measure. And more than that, God, we can have hope that's, that's from you, a God of hope that spills out over a world that so desperately needs hope. Pray, God, that all of us that are standing in line right now, that you would impress upon our heart that it's time to step forward. That it's dangerous and it can be scary, but there's something in us that tells us that this is exactly why we were created. And it's because of you. It's because of you making us in your image a God of hope. That we can be people of hope, we can be people that provide hope for others that have lived their life believing that it's hopeless. And I pray God he'd stir in us and that we'd step out. ask God that now as we collect our offering, God that you would bless it, Lord that you would use it Lord that so much change will be brought around uh, brought about in our community 
and well beyond our community as a result of it. That you would receive the glory that you deserve. That you would be exalted and praised. I thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.